all the leaves are brown. The leaves are turning brown. Welcome to Friars on the Farm podcast. Welcome to the off-season edition of Friars on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and coming to me to my left is Roy. This is our first off-season installment that will feature a guest joining us yes. on the podcast. God, it's so good to start talking to guys again. Yeah. I'm stoked to be, we'll be talking to Chandler Siegel here in, uh, in a little bit. He'll be coming up, but... um catcher who has moved up the the Padre system started out in Tri-City he played a little bit in double-a this year yep 2020 happened and he's totally skipped played in, uh, obviously in Fort Wayne skipped over um Lake Elsinore mm-hmm. and then ended up in San Antonio yeah so we'll pick his brain in a little bit and is now catching barrels in the Arizona League yeah Arizona Fall League sorry about that hopefully he's not catching any punches like it, in that that brawl the other day no Dude, we don't <laughs> we're gonna have to ask him about that. We, we have to, we'll see if he can talk about it. We, you know, it's gonna, it could be a touchy subject. But anyways, do we want to start with the Anthony Contreras stuff? Or sure. Ba- yeah. Started ba- off with Anthony Contreras. So Anthony Contreras is no longer the the manager for the four win ten caps. He's I'm been, a, I'm a little sad, but I'm happy for the guy. Yeah. You know, he's he's been there for a while, like five years. Yeah. Most winningest uh, ten caps catcher, or winning uh, winningest ten caps manager. Hello. Right. Right, we know Mike Nutter was a huge fan of AC. Yeah, yeah. So, but he was hired to go to the Phillies. He's yep. going to be their AAA manager. Yeah. So that is a promotion for him. I understand he was good friends with uh, Preston Mattingly. Okay. Who was, I, I'm not sure what his title was with the Padres. He was like assistant GM or something along those lines. Right, right. And he was hired by the Phillies. So a little bit of poaching from the Padres organization. That's like we've right. seen Preller do from the Rangers so many times. That's all right. So AC was hired in 2014, spent one year at the rookie level, and then spent the last six years after that in Fort Wayne manager uh, as the most wins as a 10 caps manager. With some best of luck. Best of luck. And he's managing the Arizona Falls, the Javelinas. Right, right. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So speaking of the Arizona Fall League, Mackenzie Gore, his AFL season is over. Um, And interestingly enough, with the hiring of Ruben Niebla to be the new pitching coach, uh, there was some footage from somebody uh, up on the balcony uh, overlooking Petco Park that they were down on the field doing some work. Um, So Ruben Niebla is known for overhauling guys' mechanics. Um, he's kind of a pitching wizard. So right. I'm really intrigued to see what he does and what kind of changes we see. Yeah. Uh, and somebody like McKenzie, who's struggled with mechanics so much, um, it's it's encouraging that we may finally see the McKenzie gore that we've we've wanted to see for the last couple of years. Absolutely. M- M- Mike Clevenger was on Ben and Woods today. I didn't get a chance to listen to the whole ep- uh, episode, but I listened to a small segment where he talked about his ability, Ruben's ability to... N- Analytics has so, I mean, obviously analytics is a big part of the game now, but analytics can just bog you down with numbers and too much minutia of do this and that. If you do that, you're going to get point this and that. Um, he's he's able to take those numbers and, and take actual instruction and kind of meld them together to make you the best you can possibly be. Right. You right. know, where, um, where it's not so much, you know, it's too much information and it's kind of paralysis by analysis. Oh, there were some really good articles on the athletic uh, from guys over on the on the Absolutely. Cleveland Indians now the Guardians um, side uh, talking about just their experiences with him and it sounds like everybody in that organization has amazing things to say. Everybody has some personal story about how Ruben Niebla made them better as a pitcher. You know, and that with him and then the hiring of Bob Melvin, my first thought was like, first it's like let's effing go, but my second thought was like. What took Preller so long? I mean, I understand you don't want to, like, you're rebuilding a team. You don't want a, a, a you know, a Ned Yost or Bob Melvin, you know, a, an established manager to steward a team that is not going to be here when you really want to compete. I kind of understand the Andy Green a right, little bit. A little when, do, bit. when do you want to compete? Right, right. Um, and then, you know, the Jace Tingler experiment, once again, like another inexperienced manager, but with the roster. Mm-hmm. So with the hiring of those two guys, it, it seems like, I mean, obviously – the timing is right for those guys to come to organization, but what took him so effing long, really? Yeah, and everything I've heard about Bob Melvin, you know, every I have yet to hear a, a negative word. Yeah. Everybody out there says this is a great hire for the Padres, yeah. great fit, great personality. Um, what I like is that he has the experience to command the the respect of the guys in the clubhouse, but it sounds like he gets that personal connection with everybody. Yeah. Uh, where I, I don't know... I never got that vibe off of Green or Tingler that they were somebody to really connect and get that bond with with the players. Well, and you 
And you shouldn't because they're brand new. They're still trying to establish themselves and, you know, as leaders, still trying to establish their leadership style, their leadership communication, mm-hmm. all that stuff that, that, you know, it does take time, it does take time to develop. For sure. Now, I'm, I'm not doing backflips uh, because I was listening to the Dave and Jeff show the other day and Jeff was pointing out that he checks all the boxes but one. He's never won the big game. Right. He's gone to the. He's got a great po- uh, regular season record. Gets to the postseason and it's underwhelming. But then again, you take a look at the teams that he's taken there, and they've been small market, low budget teams that it's like they had to overachieve just to get through the door. He squeezed every ounce of talent juice out of a lot of those teams. I mean, sure, you know the four year cycle with with the A's where you get a bunch of guys that are all brand new. They come up through. You know, then they kind of grow together and then they make the playoffs. But they've made the playoffs more than the... I mean, I will take the playoffs more than World's, one World Series. I'll take several playoffs. Uh, no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm on the other side of that. Right, well, Give I mean, me that one ring. You can take your 10 consecutive division titles, Braves. Give me the one ring. I want I want to see right. a ring in my lifetime. Well, I mean, that's not what I meant. I meant like... <laughs> They've gone to the playoffs more than the Padres have. No, and the Padres want, have tried a lot harder, I think. Yeah, you want sustained success. Yeah. And the window is wide open right now for the Padres. So now you've got a manager that should have the experience, the know-how, kind of the balance between analytics and old school. You've got Niebla as the pitching coach. I'm curious to see who else they bring on board now. Yeah. Um, I was looking at the A's coaching staff thinking that maybe you know, they've got they've got a couple of guys that have followed um, – that have followed Bob Melvin from stop to stop. Okay. You've got Mark Kotze up there, but then he he said it's it's open. Right. There may be some incumbents from right. San Diego. There may be people from outside, but it isn't expected that a lot of people are going to follow from Oakland here, yeah. if anybody. Yeah, I, uh, I I saw something from the A's, you know, like from the A's Twitter verse that said that he's probably you know a lot of manner. Not all those coaches aren't going to come over with him. Right. That him and Preller will get together in the organization we'll get together and find the guys. I mean, Miguel Rojas wouldn't be a half bad idea. Oh, that'd be amazing. You know, or Luis, um, Luis Rojas, Luis Rojas. I mean, I'll take Miguel that. Rojas too, the shortstop <laughs> from Miami. We can find a spot for him, but let's move on. We got a few minutes before we got, um, Chandler to come on. Yeah. So move on to Eggie Rosario. Dude, Eggie Rosario started out like three for 23 for 14. Just, Oh my God was tanking. You know, wasn't getting a lot of hits. Um, Monday, he tore it up. He made the prospect list, and he also made the All-Star, the Arizona Fall League All-Star game. But this came from MLB Pipeline. Piero uh, Javelinas, Rosario collected his second three-hit performance of the fall to boost his average to 291, its highest point yet. The Dominican Republic of Natives stroked his third double of his campaign and ignited Piero's second inning rally with a leadoff single. The 22-year-old scored later in the frame, the first of two times he crossed the plate in the game. Rosario was hit safely in five of his last six appearances and eight out of ten overall after beginning the season three for 14. So I haven't been paying a whole lot of attention to their schedule. Are they actually playing an all-star game this year? I know they do. They did traditionally in the past. I looked at the schedule. I think they are, but I'm, I haven't been watching a lot of MLB Network. I'm not sure if they're going to televise it. They usually televise like the like the first responders game. Like you know, there's a there's a like a veterans game, and then there's the all-star game. And I haven't seen none of that stuff on MLB Network. So that's disappointing. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. there's not a lot of baseball content out there, and you got the the GM meetings going on. So yep. what we can look at all these guys dressed up in their slacks and their loafers, standing on the on the grass up at La Costa. But that's I want to see some guys playing baseball. You know, they have to, Major League Baseball to expand the game. They have to include AFL and the um, then some parts of the Dominican World Series, if not. Regular games, fine, but some of the playoffs and maybe the championship game. You would think so. God, uh. grow the game, kid. So his uh, so Eggie's uh, stat line is two ninety one, three seventy one, or four hundred with twelve RBIs in five games. Fifteen, Woo! fifteen games. Fifteen games. Sorry yeah. about that. But it sounds like he's wreaking havoc on the base paths too. Yeah. Not necessarily stealing bases, but taking the extra base and just all of playing hard like he does. Yeah, and, and I love he's twenty two years old too. Yeah, there's a lot of value there. Yeah, and this is a different kind of AFL where it's in the past it's always been like maybe a couple double A guys, but almost everybody's single A and down. Now you've got a couple of guys that actually have a little bit of MLB service time. Yeah. Um, New bar. Yeah, it's a real mixed bag. God. So Matt Batten's also there. He's primarily at first base. He's hitting 321, 422, 352 in 14 games with 10 strikeouts and 50 at bats. Another, he started off torrid. 
And they're still doing really well. Mm-hmm. Chandler Siegel, who we're going to talk to in a little bit, he's hitting 300 with a 333 on base, slugging 400 uh, with five strikeouts in five games. He had a three-run homer yesterday. Yeah, he caught a barrel. <laughs> yeah. Matt Waldron, seven innings pitched, 3.86 ERA with three earned runs and uh, six strikeouts. Jose Quezada, 4.5 ERA, eight earned runs, eight innings pitched, five strikeouts, two walks, one save. One he's save, 26 dude. years old. I didn't realize he was that old. Yeah, he's a little bit older and... You keep seeing that name. He's so young. He's so young. Oh, shit. It's 26. Well, he has a baby face, too. Yeah. Uh, Jesse <laughs> Shulton's the 27-year-old. is the 3.24 ERA. Uh, eight and a third innings pitch with three earned runs and eight Ks. Mm-hmm. So, Kazada, uh, I think Shulton's will probably end up in AAA next year. Uh, he, I, yeah, he was in AAA, I think, yeah, all last Shult, year. Yeah. Shult, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if any of those guys got... Um, Obviously, going to get an invite to spring training. I would think but, so. But you know, looking forward, forward, I wouldn't be surprised if some of those guys got a little bit of innings, a uh, cup of coffee next season. You never know. We need that depth. The Padres need that depth. Absolutely. So, random tweet. You know, I, I didn't write any of the stuff that Jeff Sanders had put down for everyone in every section of every league <laughs> ever. Uh-huh. <laughs> but Tercer Ornelas, dude, is hitting three eighty two, four oh nine, five hundred, and one hundred and sixteen at bats. Dude, he's getting regular playing time. Yes. Now, this happened last year. He had a good season in, in Mexico last year. Absolutely, and then broke his arm. Right. That's, remember, he broke his arm. Right. And like, shit. What was he diving for a catch, I think? Yeah, yeah something like yeah. that. And it, I think he broke his wrist or his arm. Yeah, it was his forearm, yep. Yeah, and then Mayo's in Nava, um, the Navajoa. N- Navajoa. Okay, so as a, a chef person uh, who works in the food, what do you think of mayonnaise? Oh, it's well. I, do you like mayonnaise, or do you find it disgusting? I love mayonnaise. Oh, okay. I have a friend of mine who's a chef, and he thinks mayonnaise is the most disgusting thing on the planet. It's not good for you. It's oil and, and, and egg. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then you take that and put it in a jar, and it sits on your shelf. It, it, it's even worse when it's <laughs> veganaise. Like we have vegan. We used to make veganaise in one of our units, and uh, it's it's not pretty, and it's not healthy. A lot of people think you know a lot of vegan food. You know, some of the production-style vegan food is healthy. It's not. A lot of it's oil. There's lots of oil in there, a lot of binders in there that that just... Uh, like the old Mead Trapper Keeper binder like that? Yeah, Trapper Keeper. All right, so on the organization level, Kevin yeah. AC is reporting that the Padres continue to make moves at all levels of the organization. Among them, Director of Pitching Development Steve Lyons has been let go. Uh, Jeff Sanders tweeted, assuming there isn't further shuffling, Eric Jungi is expected to manage the storm. St- Jungi had been the Padres minor league pitching coordinator and then AAA pitching coach, and then he managed the Chihuahuas after Edwin Rodriguez stepped down. Um, I was not surprised to see that news, you know, especially after Sam Gini was let go. The Padres have struggled turning pitching prospects into major leaguers. Yeah. That, that final step. They get guys up to double A, they're looking good. And then completing the development has been a, a, a void in the organization. So do you see, I see maybe Mike, Mike McCoy, the California boy, going over to Fort Wayne? Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, well, and yeah, it, it, it could be because he was managing Lake Elsinore this year. Yeah. But then Lake Elsinore is low A. So who moves up to, I, I, you know, who knows? Right. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see more wide scale changes on the coaching staffs. Up and down this year. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. It, 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 particularly in the coaching area. Right. Like the manager of a, of a minor league team is very important, but like a lot of that coaching stuff happens with the individual pitchers, the mm-hmm. bullpens, and then the BP. Well, we're now down two managers. Contreras is gone out, yeah. of, out of Fort Wayne. Yeah. And then Rodriguez is gone from AAA, and AAA has been kind of a revolving door. Uh, but I, I, I just expect to see more changes than we're used to. Than this typical old okay move up a rung. I, I think it's going to be something other than that this year. As long as Welly stays, yeah. Philip Wilma stays in Double A. I think that's good. I think so. And we're going to talk to Chandler about that too. Too. Right. I want to talk to him about Welly. So also the Padres. These following Padres have elected free agency, and kind of the uh, you know the bigger ones that you might have known is uh, you know Miguel Diaz. Um, Austin Smith. Austin Smith, who was the first player drafted by AJ Preller. Yes. Yes. Um, it was in the second round of the 2015 draft, I believe. Yeah. Oh. Uh, hey, we have a we guest, have, we have have a guest not, joining us in the we're studio. Not, we're not, we have a hungry uh, cat. Brady Feigl was elected free agency, and I always held this dream that the Padres would at some point roster yeah. both Brady Feigls. <laughs> Have you seen? The, I think no, we talked about this. We, we, we have. Yeah. So there's there are two players in professional baseball named Brady Feigl. They're not related. They're both pitchers. They both wear glasses. They both have red bushy beards. 
uh, and they the two of them met one time, and you would think that they were twin brothers when they sat next to each other. Really? Yeah. Well, it's kind of like what happened in football this this week when uh, the guy tackled the sacked. The guy sacked the quarterback, and they have the same name. I don't even know what I oh, don't okay. follow. Yeah, like Will Smith facing Will Smith in the pretty playoffs. much something like that. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what their names were. But so, um, Daniel Camarena was let go. Yeah, Slamarena. Well, not like I would say let go. No, he was he was designated for assignment, cleared waivers, and then he elected free agency. Yeah, the all Ke- these guys elected free agency. You know, Jerry Keel, the Keel deal. Um, Ivan Castillo has been with the organization for a while. Kyle Overstreet, who's actually drafted. By the Padres elected free agency. Yep. Alan Cordova, Rule 5 draftee. Yeah. Brian O'Grady, John Andreoli, and Patrick Kivlahan, three outfielders that all saw major league time with the Padres yeah. this year. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of names. I'm, I'm curious to see how many of these guys wind up signing back with the Padres. It's a negotiation thing. They're allowed to elect free agency because of the service time they've had as a minor leaguer. Yeah. And so this is just part of doing business. If you look at the MLB or the minor league uh, transaction pages. It's huge. Tons of guys yeah. are electing free agency right yeah. now, and then they'll be picked up here and there throughout the off season. We'll try to we'll try to cover all that stuff as it happens. Well, that's kind of what happened just today, right before we came on. Was Jeff Sanders reporting that uh, they have signed right-handed pitcher Jordan Brink, which includes an invitation to spring training. He has a 4.42 ERA in 57 innings, 61 Ks, and a 1.26 WHIP as a reliever at Double A Montgomery last year for the Biscuits. 28 years old. That's one of the all-time great hat logos. Yeah. The the Montgomery Biscuits. (laughs) Yes. All right. Well, so that takes care of the recent events. Um, And now we're going to talk to Chandler Siegel. Yeah, absolutely. Siegel, a catcher, was drafted in the 30th round, 888th overall in the 2017 draft out of Appalachia State. He's a meticulous preparer for games and is a sniper behind the plate, gunning down 48% of runs attempting to steal. The 25-year-old North Carolina native is currently playing in the Arizona Fall League that showcased each team's rising prospects where he's hitting 300, 333, 400, and joins us here on Friars on the Farm. Chandler, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here with you guys. Okay, I'm going to ask first because Sunday, what the hell happened on Sunday? What you can give us? Oh, on uh, last Saturday? Yeah, yeah Saturday, yeah. yeah. The, the, the brawl, the all-out fisticuffs there on the, Dude. On the diamond. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a, a big backstory to that one. Um, but it really it started kind of the day before. Um, we got into it. Our left fielder, Caden. Uh, um, he was defending one of our teammates, Bay, and, uh, uh, you know, the bullpen was saying stuff to him because it's right there located behind the outfield. And, right. And Cannon took a little bit of offense to it. So, you know, after the game, I'm walking in from the, uh, from the bullpen going into the dugout to get all my stuff to leave. And I turn around and I see Cannon, and this is on Friday night. I see Cannon like chatting it up with all the guys. I was like, oh, he must, he must know somebody or right. something. It was like, just like normal daily activity, so I'm walking out to leave, and I finally I turn around, and I see uh, one of our players. I think it was Travis Coon, maybe holding Kanan back after the game on Friday, and I was like, "Oh gosh, they're not just having a normal conversation." Are they? <laughs> oh, that's real history. <laughs> so it, it was like me and five other players that were still like slow to get out of the field. So we all ran out there. What in the world's going on, you guys? And so they broke it up, and we went about it, and we're like, "Man, we got these guys tomorrow. This might." get a little ugly because you got nine innings to play and something's going to happen. Um, but yeah, Kanan, you know, he got hit. The guy threw it his head, which is, you know, in baseball, if you're going to hit somebody, to, to, keep it from the, keep right, it clean, right. keep it waist down, right. you know. Um, but he came high and tight and, and I think Kanan was, you know, once he saw that ball in his face, there was no stopping that guy. Um, he's a big he boy just, too. He's a massive individual. And it's, <laughs> dude, it, it's funny if you if you you know I've only played with him for three weeks now, but he's the nicest human being I've ever met in my life. Just a gentle giant, but he, he will defend himself and he'll he'll defend his teammates for sure. But well, uh, you were one of the first guys in the pile, you were like the second on the pile. Yeah, I was. I I, I might like I, I enjoy those things a little bit too. You know, uh, having your teammates back is is high priority. So. Um, I was I was up on the first step, you know, something might have happened here and he's pitch hitting for me too at the time. So I'm like, oh. well this is this is technically my bad <laughs> if something happens to him. 
I'm going to feel mighty awful if, you know, he ends up getting injured because of this. So I was, you know, just having his back at the same time to making sure that, you know, no one was going to hurt him and keeping him from hurting himself and everything like that. Nice. And, and real quick, the pitcher just stood there. Like, why didn't he didn't put his hands up? Oh, he knew he, what was coming. He was just like, okay, I think I'm going to get hit now. <laughs> I, I think, I don't know if he, I guess he wasn't expecting the retaliation that he got. And then when it was happening, I don't know if he just froze or didn't. You know, usually those things like the, the batter will give the pitcher a little bit of time, kind of walk out there, and it just turns into a shouting fest right. by the time someone can grab him. So I thought, I think he thought maybe the catcher was going to slow him down before he got there. No, he just um, took off right. dead sprint. <laughs> but there was zero words exchanged before the first punch. Was, Dude, I think that's, that's right. what kind of caught him off guard right there. I think <laughs> wow. he was waiting for someone to – or right. him to say something or have a little bit more time. Right. And it's the AFL. It's supposed to be more of a tournament kind of like just get your work in, you know, high high level competition, but damn, high level fisticuffs. Yeah. Well, and those guys, yeah. those guys, they're teammates on your team. They're both out of the Pirates organization, right? Because I think the night right. before somebody else got thrown at or some, something else happened the night before. Yeah, with- Bay, I think uh, Nick – uh, Gonzalez, I think, took one to the hand the night before, too. That didn't help the situation. Um, yeah, it's not and right. then you got someone else got thrown at maybe as well. I don't think these were intentional on that day. Um, I think some just got away, but they just happened to get be against Pirates players. Um, so, you know, uh, Kanan being, you know, selfless and just wanting to stick up for his teammates, uh, you, you, you can't blame him, especially when he comes high and tight at your face. And so, he's not throwing slow either. Right. No, no. <laughs> this is a rec league ball. Like guys in my rec league, like couldn't get out of the way at fifty miles an hour. I'm like, come on. Um, so hey, man, it's a really big honor to be chosen to you know uh, sent to the AFL. Um, and you're hooked back up with AC Anthony Contreras. What's that like? Uh, I got to play with uh, AC back in. I think it was my first year, 2017. I came up at the very end of the season and played with AC in Fort Wayne, and then I did the same thing in. 18 and 19 maybe i think every year at the end of the year i've always ended up with ac um but yeah when i got the call from our uh farm director and uh one of the catchers wasn't available uh being with the braves organization he he got to be a part of the world series and be on the taxi squad which was you know great opportunity for him and opened up an opportunity for me as well which you know it's uh Something like that falls in your lap. You got to jump on it, and you know it was it was funny seeing uh, AC as a manager and about the fourth go around with him, and just someone that I know, someone that uh, takes pride in what he does, and he really you know cares for the players and everything like that. So uh, I knew it was going to be a good time when I when I saw AC as the as a skipper who's. Funny now, uh, a Phillies guy now, right, red, right. which is which is weird to see. I keep on telling him he's throwing me off every time. I thought it was a joke. First day he showed up in red, I was like, "AC, hey, you forget your jersey or right. what's going on here?" He's like, I, I had to hold out, had to hold out telling you guys, but uh, yeah, with the Phillies now. So it's you know, congratulations. We're going to miss you. All that kind of good stuff. That's right, because everybody wears their organization uniform yeah. and then the Javelinas hat. So it must have right. been weird AC watching him walk. showed up in Philly stuff. Huh. <laughs> about so that's that. That's how I found out about it. So my understanding with the AFL is that oftentimes guys have a – like there's a plan that the organization has for them. They have certain things they want to work on. They have certain like rules, limitations. You're going to play this position. You're going to pitch so many so many pitches a game, that kind of thing. Was there a plan mm-hmm. for you um, being sent to the AFL or are you there more to support the pitchers as a catcher? Um. When I talked to uh, Riley Westman uh, about the opportunity, it was it was kind of two parts. He's he said, "I know you uh, you're a guy who can control and manage the staff, and and uh, we want to see you there, and you know working with the pitchers and getting that kind of exposure and stuff like that. But also at the same time, I got a you know a big um, a big place that I can improve on my game when it comes to hitting and having a a few more ears that you know different organizations are hitting coaches here." Um, maybe with some new ideas. And then also while I'm here, I'm working with OB, uh, Oscar Bernard, our um, main hitting coordinator as well. So it's just extra time that, you know, I'd be hitting on my own, but hitting with these guys um, and then the talent around you that you're just watching every day is, I mean, is exponential in the, like, 
and, and just progressing that part of my game, which which is what I'm really focused on while I'm here. Yeah, yeah. It, it does seem like a trend that somebody goes to the fall league and then it kind of springboards them into the next season that yeah. they kind of they level up, it seems, uh, you know, just as far as certain parts of their game. So, yeah, hopefully right. hopefully we see that happen to you next year. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. I'm, I'm getting a lot of good uh, good tips and critiques and, you know, I'm always welcome to that. So I can't can't complain. So now when you go to Salt River, they've got the electronic strike zone in effect. Do you have any opinions on that? Um, the lich- I haven't actually dealt with it yet. Um, both time, I think we've only been there once to be at the beginning of the year. And Ohapi was behind the plate uh, that day with the electric strike zone. Um, so I haven't experienced it firsthand yet. Uh, I know some guys love it. Uh, some guys hate it. I think you find that for the most part, hitters like it more than the pitchers do because it tightens the zone up a little yeah. bit. You don't get those, you know, half a ball balls off the plate anymore uh, as, as a pitcher. So um, I, I got to be honest. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It, and the other part that takes away um, on my end is like the art of receiving. Yeah. Like there's, there's no longer trying to manipulate pitches to, to steal strikes or anything like that. So what does that do to the catching position at the same time? It, it, it I think it will dramatically change the position. So if it were up to me, I would say no, because uh, I like I like that part of the game. I like the artwork behind receiving yeah. and framing and everything like that. Well, and you talk to the umpire a lot too. Right. I mean, there's a you kind of cultivate a little relationship from exactly. game to game and throughout the season. So I, that that part of it kind of goes away too. Yeah, it's the game within the game, and, yeah. and the more the more you electronic everything, the, the the more you're taking out the human aspect of baseball and. Uh, I, I'd really hate to see that part of it go. You know, and and every, I mean, obviously it gets really a micro, you know, it gets amplified when you're in the postseason and some of the umpires that are so bad, but your everyday umpire, you get familiar with their zone. Like this guy likes them outside. This guy will, if I set up inside, he'll call that inside pitch. You kind of get to know what these umpires do and their zones that they call. So that kind of works to your advantage. I they, think. they even have scouting reports on yeah, umpires. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a big part of the game, and um, you know, learning what the umpires like. Now, I mean, there's different ways to frame pitches, and one guy might like it one way, one might like. I mean, it's just like it's like I said, it's the game within the game, and and it's, it's part of the game that I love. So, well, that's, and you got to think at the same time. Most umpires in the big leagues, I mean, they're they're like the percentage of the time they're right is 95, 96, you know, 98 on a good day. Um, of course, it's, it seems like the four percent are always at big moments, so okay. you get a little bit more of a critique. Um, but I mean, it's it's hard to say they're not doing a great job of what they do. Yeah. Do you do you uh, are you on Twitter? Do you follow those accounts? Like, what is it? MLB umpire scorecards. Right. They every game yeah, they're yeah. coming out. Yeah, yeah, I do, and, and it's 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 kind of cool to see. I like, I enjoy watching that kind of stuff. So. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting when you see like one guy has like a 93% days and you're like, Oh, he did terrible. And he, uh, he missed six, seven calls. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy to see that kind of stuff and the numbers behind it. You know, and the movement of the pitches and the velocity, like it's getting harder. It's not getting easier. It's actually getting harder to call a ball and a strike, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's very true. Okay. My question is, and as we move on. They call them the tools of ignorance. Why a catcher? Why did you want to become a catcher? I don't know if I chose catcher or if catcher chose me. I, I tried out a lot of positions when I was growing up. Uh, shortstop wasn't really quick enough laterally. Uh, first baseman didn't hit for power. Outfield way too slow to roam the outfield. And uh, <laughs> finally strapped on the catching gear and, you know, I, I enjoyed getting beat up a little bit and pitchers enjoyed throwing to me and, um, I have to get out uh, a shout out to my boy Bailey Jones back in high school, who was the wildest pitcher ever, who made me probably the catcher I am today because I was jumping and scooting and sliding for everything. And, um, and it just stuck, you know, middle school, I started catching and then it just, I, I just fell in love with, with a lot of the aspects of catching, throwing guys out, receiving, blocking. Um, it, it's, it's really an artwork to me. Nice. So, growing up in North Carolina, was there a particular team that you were a fan of? Uh, professionally? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
professionally, uh, I was a big Braves guy. Growing uh, up. Of course. Uh, Tim Wakefield, I, I wore, uh, I think it was 49, right? I believe that was his number. He, before he went to Boston, he was, yeah, he was Boston. He, he was with, uh, the, with Pittsburgh? Yeah. With the Braves? He was, with, was, you're right. I think he, Tim Wakefield was with the Braves or the ball. He was with Boston most of the time. He won the ring with, with uh, Boston. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. I might be wrong on that. He might have been Boston the whole time. But John Smoltz, I had a picture of John Smoltz up in my room. Chipper Jones growing up, you know. Um, I, I enjoyed the Braves a lot. So this and must have been a great was, World uh, Series for you this year, huh? Yeah, it was. And we got some Braves guys in the locker room uh, here in the AFL. So um, watching them watch the game, it, it made the clubhouse a little bit more excited for, you know, the Braves to pull it off. Your, fam- your family Braves fans too? Your dad, your mom? My dad was a Yankees fan, so naturally I was a Braves and Boston fan. Okay. So, so, so yeah. going to Tim Wakefield, uh, Matt Waldron throws a knuckleball. How was that? It's it's whenever I have to catch uh, Waldron, I have to fake a smile for a day because that guy. <laughs> I would rather catch a guy throwing a hundred and twenty mile an hour fastball than try to catch the knuckleball that he throws. I get dinged up and my hand hurts at the end of the day um but that that guy is on a he's on a different level we were catching i was warming him up in the bullpen the other day and um everybody always watches waldron when he gets when he gets ready because you don't see many knuckleballers so all eyes are on me and waldron and i just completely whiff one that hits me right in the chest didn't (laughs) didn't didn't touch glove or nothing and you know waldron always feels bad about it but i kind of gotta laugh it off and Oh, it's all good. Good pitch. Good pitch, man. That's, right. I mean, hard to catch, hard to hit. Atta boy, but more good more job. likely than not, it's uh, it's bouncing off of me instead of hitting the glove. I'm amazed that he can even throw strikes with that thing. He seems to be able to con- control it pretty well. Yeah, he does. He does a really good job. He has a uh, he has a harder knuckleball that he throws and a slower one. Um, but he's talked to a bunch of guys. Um, I, I believe he's had conversations with Tim Wakefield and uh, another knuckleballer. I can't think of his name right now, um, but he's got a lot of people helping him right now, and it's he's doing a really good job uh, progression and uh, learning how to command that pitch. And it's it's I end up being his catch play partner every day, and it seems like it's getting better every day. And it's it's fun to watch. It's fun to catch. I love that guy. Yeah, when it's time to play catch, I'm sure everybody else scatters with him. <laughs> yeah, who, who's still with Wal- Waldron standing there by himself? And I, I got you, I got you, buddy. <laughs> All right, so one of your Appalachian State teammates, Jalen Davis, got called up this year. Have you kept in touch with many of your teammates? Uh, Jalen, yeah, he's a he's a great guy. We I probably message him once a month or so. Uh, we used to talk a lot more back in the day, uh, but now he's doing his thing and. Um, it's, it's crazy kind of how his career went his last year at App State. He was hurt and didn't get to play a lot, ended up getting picked up and, um, kind of rolled through the minor leagues pretty, pretty easily, you know, always a big, big name, big prospect there. I wish he would have played a little bit more app. We would have won a little bit more, but, uh, no, uh, we, we talk here and there and he's, you know, still open to conversations and wishing me luck. And I wish him luck all the time too. I didn't dive too deep. Do you have any other teammates that are in the minors right now? Yeah, we got, uh, actually one of my buddies that I grew up with in high school, Colin Schmidt. Uh, he's a new burn boy as well. And he went to app state with me. Um, he's pitching in the Cardinals organization. Um, Jeffrey Springs, who was a pitcher at app state. I, I believe he's still with the Rangers organization. He was uh, a big leaguer for them. Um, I feel like I missed Jeffrey Springs. Call. Oh, um, uh, Matt, he's with the Diamondbacks organization. I actually faced him a few times this year. Um, he was with the Sod Poodles, and uh, he's he's not a guy you want to face either. He's 96 to 99 with a changeup and a devastating devastating slider. Um, but, yeah, we got we got a couple guys hanging around still in the big league. That's got to be fun seeing familiar league. faces out there every once right, in a while. Right. Yeah, it is. Matt Brill. Uh, it, every time we faced him, I was always the next guy on deck, and I, and I never got to face him this year. So it was, I always told him he was scared to walk a guy to get to me. But <laughs> we, Love it. We, had, uh, we had one one appearance with each other, and that was when I was in uh, Tri-Cities with the Dust Devils, and he got me to ground out uh, to shortstop. So he's uh, 
He's got he's got me in his book right now. Well, you know, if you take a look at the picture, someone tweeted it. I think it's on your Twitter profile. The field at Appalachian State is phenomenal. It's just, I mean, yes. it's like a cartoon. It's just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, that place is uh, it's heaven on earth. I think that's the caption on it. Um, but when I was there, uh, we had a little bit different turf, but um, Kermit Smith, who's the head coach there, um, does a lot of uh, fundraising, a lot of work in the community, and he's he's really built that place up, got brand-new turf, padded yeah. walls. Um, and then when the leaves change color in the fall, um, it's definitely definitely a destination you got to check out if you're ever able ever able to. It's amazing. Well, so, come to think yeah. of it, we're going to go visit my uh, – my brother and my dad live about an hour and a half west of Nashville – and we're looking mm-hmm. to, in a few years, move to that region of of America. So we're going to start there, spend the night in Knoxville, cruise through Asheville, and then end up in Columbia and spend a couple of okay. days in Columbia, uh, really looking at that city and the, the surrounding area to potentially move in the next few years or so. Nice. Yeah, Asheville isn't, uh, isn't too far away from old uh, Boone, North Carolina. So did you – yeah, so did you, did you ever watch any minor league baseball growing up over there in New Bern or even Appalachia? Yeah, we had the, uh, the, um, the tourists are in Asheville. We had the Kitson Indians. So okay. now, now they're affiliated with the uh, the Rangers, and they don't go by the Indians anymore. Um, they have yeah, some of the one wacky thing. name now. No, uh, maybe the Wood Ducks, Kinston Wood Ducks. Okay, yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Okay, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I used to go to Indians games all the time when I was little. Um, I was actually going through baseball cards, and uh, uh, it's related but unrelated. Found the Yadier Molina, Tennessee Smokies, uh, from when he was catching with them. I used to go watch the Smokies every once in a while too. I've been to Smokies uh, pretty close to Boone. Yeah, yeah. So that was a that was a cool find when I was going through Manny. all my old stuff. He's been in the league forever, so that that's going way back. <laughs> you must have been. A yeah, he's he's a. Uh, <laughs> He's not. He's. He's. I wonder how many years he has left. But that guy. I mean, he's. He's incredible. So Appalachian State. I saw a couple years ago. You were in 2020. You started coaching there. Is that right? Yeah, I worked as a uh, a student assistant for them. I, I, during COVID, I had a lot of free time and decided to pick up some more classes and um and try to get finish up my degree. And at the time, I was talking to Kermit and with the COVID protocols and everything like that, it's, it's hard to get inside and, you know, train with those guys and everything like that. Cause they're so boxed in. He was like, well, I got an idea. How about you just come and be a part of the staff and uh, get your training in and help the catchers out at the same time. And it really worked out to be a, a, a really beneficial situation for, you know, both sides, you know, being still being a part of Appalachia state, knew some of the guys on the team and, and then helping those guys out is, you know, is awesome. That's yeah, sad. I didn't even think about that angle. That's fantastic yeah. that that worked out both ways, because a lot of guys were yeah, having a hard yeah. time just even finding a place to lift weights, right. let alone yeah, a place to see into, like live at bats and stuff. Exactly, getting into a facility like that is uh, it was hard at the beginning of COVID trying to find somewhere to work. So when that opportunity presented itself, um, and I have a great relationship with Kermit Smith there at App State, so um, I enjoyed that. So now this year, you got to see twice the amount of everything that yeah. you saw, uh, you know, going back. Games, at-bats, now that it's full-season ball for you. Uh, did you step up your training? Uh, and during the COVID years, yeah, I had a lot of free time. So uh, I really um, tried to change my body, try to change, you know, uh, parts of my game, advance in a lot of areas. But, uh, yeah, training uh, – I kind of put myself through hell during COVID because I was so bored with uh, my work ethic and everything like that. Uh, but it paid off. I dropped 20, 25 pounds, put on muscle, um, you know, and improved in a lot of areas. Uh, so COVID was, you know, it's, I hate that it's still going on that people yeah. are affected by it, but every day. And, but it was, it, for me, it was a little bit of a blessing just to have that kind of time to myself to uh, improve um, mentally and physically. So coming into this season, did you have any goals for yourself? Yeah. Uh, my goal this year was to start the year in high A and end in double A. So hey. I started in, started in double A and stuck it out the whole year, um, which was nice. Uh, I had some goals that I didn't reach as well. Um, but, you know, when you set high goals, they don't always come, 
come through. You know, 50 home uh, runs. Right. You know, bat, yeah, bat yeah, 500. Of course. Yeah, I want to. I want to bat 400 with a uh, on base percentage of 500. <laughs> and those those kind of things. But uh, catching wise, I, I hit all my goals. Um, I wanted to throw out 50 percent of base runners again. I wanted to you know build good relationships with the staff, which I, I think I did, and I, I hope all the pitchers would agree as well. Um, but being able to block the ball, limit pass balls, I think I had under under three this year, which, you know, if I can keep it around one or two, that's that's kind of my goal. That's I don't want to have any more than that. It's incredible. Um, and then, you know, receiving-wise, trying to get my numbers up on certain um, quadrants of the strike zone. So that was another goal that I was hitting on. Hitting wise, so do you get a lot uh, of metrics as far as that's concerned for the, the the framing? Yeah, we do. It's it's it's. I can't remember what the program is called at the moment, uh, but it's. I think it's through that same base tech um, company or uh, website. But yeah, they give you uh, four quadrants: low and in, low and away, up and in, up and away, and it'll tell you uh, the percent of strikes that you get versus the percent of strikes you lose. So. You can be plus one for the day, plus two, minus one, minus two, and it will give you a total score for the year. Um, so it's a good way of keeping track of you know areas where you're not uh, receiving a ball as good as you may think you are. Hmm. Interesting. So, so Riley Westman, you know, he keeps moving up in the ranks, uh, but he was the catching coordinator for, for a couple of years when you were new in the organization. Uh, yes, he was. Was he instrumental in helping you or any other, any other coaches that have been a big help helping you like with mechanics and with anything like that? Yeah, Riley Westman was, gosh, she put another guy who put me through hell. Um, we butted heads a lot at the beginning of my career, believe it, believe it or not. Uh, we kind of had a little tiff between us. Um, that was mainly my fault. Uh, but just disagreeing on some things, and he kept on hammering and hammering on me. And finally, you know what, I, I kind of turned around and took a look at myself and was like, hey, man, you, you might not be doing this right. Let's give this guy a listen. And uh, Riley was big and and – and shaping me and the catcher I am right now. And then uh, we ended up getting um, Brian Watley, who's our uh, catching coordinator right now. Nice. And he's huge into the metric side of, of catching and um, the little changes in body position and angling and glove prep and stuff like that. Um, This past year, he's been uh, a tremendous help as well, trying to, you know, help the, help the organization out top to bottom. What, what do you mean by glove prep? Uh, so glove prep is like a pre-pitch movement that puts you in a better position to, uh, to catch the ball. So if I'm, let's say I got a righty on the mound that throws a two seamer that's running. So if I'm facing the pitcher, yeah. it's running toward the inside of my left shoulder. So I would prep down just slightly to the left side. Um, so if this guy hits his spot, I want to be able to catch that ball. Um, so he gets the strike. If he misses his spot, he misses his spot. But the last thing I want to do is put myself in a bad position yeah. so that if he hits that hits that spot and I miss it, now it's now it's on me. Okay, so um, chances are I while you receive it, your yeah. your glove is moving toward the center of the of the strike zone. Right. So before the ball is even thrown, I move my glove in the position to where I think the ball is going to be, so that when the ball is on its way, it's one motion. Everything is is clean to the ball and into the zone. You don't want to have any hitches going into the zone or double movements um, that the umpire can perceive easier. Interesting. The game within the game. I dig it. The game within the game, dude. Talk about the game within the game. Talk about Philip Wellman. Like oh my god, we love that guy. <laughs> I don't. I haven't found a person who doesn't love that guy. Um, Welly, he's the man. He uh, he's a great coach. Um, one of the best coaches I've ever had in my life. Um, he he treats everybody like his son. I think is what he likes to say. So, um, he'll let you know when you're doing something that's not helping the team, and he'll get on you. But he he doesn't do it as to be mean or a jerk or anything like that. He's very stern about how he goes about his business and he'll let you know if you're not doing your business right. And, and it's never from a place of hate. It's always from a place of love. And I appreciate it from that guy. And, you know, he has a funny side too. And, uh, he'll make you laugh every once in a while. And 
He's, he's a good guy to play for, that's for sure. <laughs> now, now, you've seen the clip from years ago where he got ejected in a game and he went he went ballistic and he's like crawled, doing the army crawl behind the mound and throwing the yeah, rosin bag like a throwing grenade. Throwing the rosin bag everywhere. Yeah, we uh, we got to see that side of, of Welly probably twice or three times this year where, he, you know, his whole body goes red and you're like, oh boy, okay. here we go, strap in. <laughs> well, and you got thrown out of a game doing my prep for, for this I saw the video of you getting thrown out, and then Wellman comes up and he gets thrown out, and then it's game yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, uh, <laughs> that was, I still remember that. I think it was like a 2 2. I was a down 0 2, worked it back, worked count back to 2 2, and then got a high fastball. Yeah, high and outside. Um, rung, rung up on me, and, you know, we had a guy at third at the time, and um, umpire behind the plate. I, I just, I snapped and, you know, told him that. Of course, as nicely as I could, that he was doing a great job, and you know, keep on doing what you're doing. And he, I don't know why he decided to eject me, but he did. And uh, so, Welly, Welly, of course, loving some action, gets in there as well, and you know, tells him that he's even better than I said that he was at his job, and he gets tossed as well. Um, I hope you're doing a great job. You're doing a fantastic job. That's why I'm out here yelling at you. Yeah, this is the best call I've ever seen in my life. Congratulations. Um, But yeah, I passed Welly in the hallway back to the clubhouse after that and, uh, you know, told him thank you for having my back. And he didn't need to do that. But, you know, he's, he's, that's how he is. You know, if, if one of us goes, goes to war, Welly's going to war for us. He's, you know, he's got your back 100%. That's fantastic. So, uh, a friend of the podcast, a friend of ours, Raul Padron, your hitting coach in in Double A. How was working with him? Padron, another great. We, I mean, that coaching staff was electric. Every everybody that we had was, you know, uh, a one person. Uh, Padron being one of those guys too. Um, uh, had my struggles during the year hitting, um, but you know, never never made it about anything other than just you know keep on working keep on grinding here's what we need to do i got a plan um let's get in some early work you know whenever you wanted extra reps he was always there um early after the game didn't matter um he's he just wants to to help every guy um the best that he can you know um and he he was he he helped me out as well this year and we have a lot of plans uh i got them written down in my bag somewhere over there for the off season as well and i'll be you know, sending him videos and he'll be sending videos back. He's nice. just, you know, he's a good person, yeah. great person. Yeah. You know, going back to that ejection, it made me think. So they changed the schedule around. So now you guys see the same team for six days in a row. Uh, and mm-hmm. that means that you're also working with the same umpires. And I know they rotate around. In the minors, I believe it's a three-man crew. So you're yeah, the- pretty much guaranteed to see a, a plate umpire twice in a homestand. Uh, uh-huh. Was that ejection early in the homestand, or was it late in the homestand? Question. Oh man, I think it was. I think it was late in the homestand. So you didn't have to deal with him behind the plate again. <laughs> I don't think so. I, I did later in the year um, for sure. And you know, whenever you do a, have a situation like that, I think I even talked to him after the game, and um, I was like, "Hey, man, you know, nothing personal," um, but. I got fired up at the time. Nothing against you. Uh, I'll see you again. And, you know, uh, they understand for the most yeah. part, unless you do something outrageous or, you know, say something that's extremely inappropriate. Right. But, um, yeah, it's it's never about the person. It's, it's just about the call. So usually you can mend that relationship pretty quickly unless you just shut those guys off. And uh, that's not, not something I usually do. Especially that's not professional, right? Picture out. Yeah. You're right. Exactly. So, so seeing a team that many times in a row and working with an umpire crew that many times in a row, uh, did that kind of change how you, how that affects your game <laughs> prep and, and kind of the in-game stuff going on? Cause you get so familiar with the other team. Right. On one hand, it really helps you. On one hand, it really hurts you because you know all their hitters and they know all your hitters. So if you're struggling to hit a breaking ball outside of the zone, guess what you're getting for six games is breaking ball out of the zone. So you better make an adjustment. Uh, But on the other end of that, on our side with the scouting reports, um, we know exactly how to pitch you as well. So um, if you're not making adjustments, we're going to dominate you. If we're not making adjustments, you know, we're going to get dominated. So it's 
it's all about who can make the adjustments the fastest at that point. And I mean, that's, that's how, that's how that works when you're playing six games in a row. Nice. Well, being the catcher, that gives you, you get to do your homework and, and and see how well that works out. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of film. You can go back and watch those MILB games through the the app and everything like that. So fast forward, rewind. So Every night after the game, I'm going back and looking at film, seeing you know how guys' swings looked, um, how we could have pitched them differently. Was that the right call? Was it the wrong call? How are we going to do it tomorrow? You know, just making little adjustments. Nice student of the game. Student of the game. <clears throat> so okay, so you've in your you've been with the Padres for five years now. You've caught just about everybody in the org at some point, whether it's spring training, back uh, you know back lot bullpens or in games. Who are some of the hardest guys? hardest throwers that you've uh, you've worked with uh i've gotten quite a few of guys who have hurt my hand throughout these five years um jordan guerrero uh one of the hardest throwers in the organization um andres munoz when we still had him yeah. he was a flame oh, right. thrower um he was he was actually one of my favorite guys to catch when we had him because he threw 102 but he knew where it was going yeah. um so it makes it a lot easier um but doesn't doesn't make 102 look any slower than 102. Um, so <laughs> I don't know how you even you see that. Right. Um, another guy, Dylan Coleman, who's oh, yeah. with the uh, Royals organization now, I believe. Yep. I think he made it. He made his debut this year as well. Right. Um, yeah. Kudos to him. He uh, he battled back from a lot of stuff, but he he could he could throw the absolute you know what out of the ball. Um, who else we got? All right, so More who's home. who's who's nasty? Who's filthy? Curveballs, breaking balls, changeups. Um, filthiest guys. You got to give. You got to put Mackenzie Gore up there. Um, nice. Let's see. You're just saying that because your middle step. name's Mackenzie, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm, and I'm trying to get some love from uh from Mac back when we get back in spring training. Nice, nice. Um, I got to hype hype him up a little bit. Um, Mackenzie Gore, uh, Humphreys had some very good stuff. Jordan, Jordan Humphreys, Humphreys had some good stuff. Um, Adrian Martinez has a filthy changeup. Um, maybe one of the best. Change-ups Congratulations to him for getting uh, getting and having his contract man. selected. Yeah, yeah, uh, I saw that the other day as well. Um, so his so super excited it, for that let, guy. Let's stop there for a second because Adrian Martinez. I keep hearing about his changeup. It it almost works like a screwball. It kind of it breaks down in a way, or it, it goes down and away, and it's it's I I wouldn't touch it if I had you know a, a forty inch bat. I wouldn't be able to touch his changeup, even if he told me it was coming. Um, I think you know him moving up from double A AA to triple A's took a little bit of adjusting for him. Um, uh, I think the, the, they got different balls. I believe they use the big league balls up there, so you know learning how to throw the changeup with a little bit. Um, of a different grip. Oh, speaking of Reese Kinnear, one of the most disgusting guys I call it this year. Um, nice. Uh, don't know how he slipped my mind, but thinking about going up the AAA. Um, but yeah, his his uh, his changeup. If he can if he can learn how to throw that with a big league ball, he's he's going to be up there in no time. So, from a game calling standpoint, do you find that you click with some pitchers more than others? Are there certain guys that like you just you're on the same page with them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's always that learning curve of learning different guys and, you know, what makes them tick, how to communicate to them on a mound during a visit. Um, some guys are, you know, very attention to detail, like, let's get after it. Don't talk to me. Like, I just want to throw baseballs. Um, <laughs> and some, you know, some guys want to laugh on a mound. Some guys just want to chill, just want to, like, conversation away from baseball, get their mind off of it a little bit. Um, so like, what is that Bull Durham where they're or Major League where they no Bull Durham where they're talking about what wedding gifts they're going to yeah, get right. for somebody? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sometimes you got to take take their mind off of it first. Dude, I asked, let them. I asked that to Sambo. I asked that to um, Pete Zamora, uh, the pitching coach. He was with the uh, with with like Elsinore. I'm like, what's the most like irrelevant thing that you've ever said going up to the mound? So I have to yeah. ask you that question. It's just off the top of my head. What's the most like? random thing you've got up to the mound and you're like, all right, want to do some lunch after this or what's going on? Uh, most random thing I had, I had a, one saying with two guys, Colin Schmidt and that I was talking about earlier. He's with the Cardinals down and then Bailey Jones. 
And there were guys that I needed just to clear their head, take their mind off the game. So I would just go up there and tell them to put the watermelon in the oven and then just walk away. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't remember how it came up or how it got to that or it's just that. And then after that, just stuck, just, I would walk out there and just be like, put the watermelon in the oven, dude. What are we doing? Watermelon in the oven. And we just walk away. (laughs) Oh my God. I want to see the look on the guy's face when you do that. That is badass. (laughs) Yeah. You know, some sometimes you just point out someone in the stands, or right. you know, make a joke, or you know, anything. But Reese Kinnear was like locked in. Like I couldn't, I couldn't mess with Reese. I didn't want to make up his rhythm, mess up his rhythm. So he was like, you know, just give him a pat on the pat on the butt and be like, freaking lock it back in, let's go. Yeah, I was, um, I was at his, I was at his debut, and uh, the, I had right behind the dish, not right behind, the, right behind the dugout. So I got first pitch. I got him coming back from his like uh, after the game. Um, we've we've seen him and we I hadn't talked to him in in, in Lake Elsinore, but he was aware of uh, who we were. Uh, I, I met Lake him. Elsinore. I actually threw a first pitch out to him at Lake Elsinore. Okay, there you go. I got a Black Friday deal. It was like a 10, 10 ticket package at Lake Elsinore, and you get to throw out a first pitch. And he was the guy that caught oh. it. Super laid yeah. back, nice kind yeah. of a goofy, funny guy. Yeah, it's interesting to me to hear that in a game he's like so intense. That seems one hundred and eighty degrees from how he is off the field. Yeah, he's an intense guy, and, and then he'll be done with his outing, and he'll be right back to being Reese. But, um, yeah, that's just how he functions when he gets out there. It's kill or be killed. Because, right, Donovan, you were talking about him, yeah. like, cracking jokes in the dugout. Yeah, I got stuff, pictures right? of him, like, dancing in the dugout and doing all kinds of funky things. But, I mean, this is high, oh, yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, when he gets on the mound, he's a different guy. Yeah. Uh. That's for sure. All right, so uh, we're going to take it to the quick fire round. Yeah, let's uh, do that. Okay, quick fire. I'm going to give you 10 seconds to just clear your head. Put the watermelon right. in the oven. <laughs> the watermelon. So these are all softballs. Anyway, okay. Texas barbecue or Carolina barbecue? Carolina. Whataburger or In-N-Out? In-N-Out. Yes. Ooh, had to think about it for a second. Sold the- yes. What do you think about the shift versus the no shift kind of whole thing? Uh... Don't care. Either way, play the game. All right. All right. What actor would play you in a movie? Mark Wahlberg. Ooh, came out real quick. My wife is going to like that answer. (laughs) Is a hot dog. Favorite actor of all time. All All right. right. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No. Why why not? Because it's in a, it's, I don't know. I feel like a sandwich, it has to be two separate pieces of bread. Once you join them at the bottom. It's no longer it's no longer a, a burger. It's open face calzone, right? <laughs> yeah. Worst dressed teammate. Point. Worst dressed. Uh, Kyle Overstreet. Oh, this will probably fall right in with that. Who's your messiest roommate that you've yeah. had? Oh, messiest roommate. Um, Matt Waldron. <laughs> okay. All right. Call of Duty or Fortnite? Call of Duty. Who's All your right. favorite non-baseball athlete? Non-baseball athlete? Um, Kobe Bryant. All right. All right. The Mamba. Major League or Bull Durham? Major League. All right. Direct. Right there to the point. There we go. There we go. Well, thank you so much sure. for taking the time with us. We really appreciate us. you coming on. Yeah, awesome. I do you have any you guys having me? Do you have any plans for the off season? What are you doing once you're done with Arizona? Uh, after Arizona, I'll probably you know go back home, spend Thanksgiving there, and then get back up to Appalachia State. Um, I'll I'll work with those guys again and, and get all my training done up there. And uh, you know, it's a good place to to be able to have that facility and everything like that. So looking forward to getting out there with those guys. It's only like a six hour drive, right? Like a seven hour drive, I think. Pro- five and a half. From five and a half. To get out the boon, yeah, it's not too bad. One road and you're there. And that's maybe a month of that time, and you're back in February, yeah. Yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, see how the off season goes, and um, maybe get a big league invite if I'm lucky. And if not, you know what, go out there and uh, prepare the best I can to get ready for another season. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed for you, and hopefully, the back lots are open so we can come out yeah, and uh, see you one way or the other this uh, this spring. Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to seeing you guys. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks for everything. Y'all have a good one.